All right, today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. As I said, we're finishing the Creed series, and I want to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And it's so important that we do, because one of the main differences between Christianity and other religions in general is that Christians believe that it's only through the influence of the Holy Spirit are we enabled to do anything truly godly. It's only through the Holy Spirit, for example, that we can grow spiritually. It's through the Spirit's work, really, that anything eternal gets accomplished in our lives. Now, that's a distinctive. What I'm saying is, it's not through your effort, and it's not through my effort. It's through the Spirit's influence that in our lives we could actually experience God to know God and to make him known. And it's not just that we would know about him, and it's not just that we would know what he requires of us, but through the Holy Spirit we actually experience something of God. Now, I want to read to you this text out of Romans chapter 8. It's kind of long, so you'll bear with me, but it gives a lot of insight into what we're talking about today. So let's look at it together here. I'm going to put on my old man glasses. So is that cool? By the way, some of you in between services were making fun of my Hawaiian shirt, and I just want to say shame on you. <laughs> if you look carefully, it's not just Hawaiian, but these are Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. So this is a cool <laughs> shirt. That's right. Thank you very much. All right, let's talk about spiritual things now. You ready? Chapter 8, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think only about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. By the way, isn't it cool that God gives us Basically instructions for how to live a satisfying life right there. Stay in step with the spirit. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, he's writing to the church, are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. By the way, people sometimes ask, let me stop there for just a moment, sometimes ask, well, pastor, you know, you know those spirit-filled Christians? You know, and it's like, have you ever seen one of those spirit-filled kind? And I just want to say to you, what Paul's saying here is to be a Christian is to be spirit-filled. If you're a Christian, you are a spirit-filled Christian because that's what a Christian is. It's funny, somebody came up to me not too long ago and they said, Pastor, they they came up and they were very nice, very kind, and just a delightful person. But she said to me, I've went ahead and I've changed churches and now I'm going to a spirit-filled church. Whenever somebody says that to me, I have to be honest. I, I, I just inside, I have to check myself. I cringe just a little bit if I'm honest. And I like this person. But, I, but it's like I almost want to say, now you realize you left a spirit-filled church. Now I know what she's saying, but I don't think she knows what she's saying. <laughs> because to be spirit-filled is to be like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a believer. So let's go on here. Again, verse 10, and Christ lives in you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you're gonna die. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him what? Abba Father. Father. And what does Abba Father mean, by the way? It means Daddy. It's the spirit that connects us to an intimate relationship with God the Father. And it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. Well, it says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Isn't that amazing? And so just a word before as we get into this, you know, sometimes there is nothing more confusing than when you come into Christianity, and you may have recently come into Christianity, and you hear about the Spirit of God, and what you think is, you think, oh, that's great. And then about six months after you come into it, you find out that in Christianity, there are about 25 different warring factions in the church telling you what it means to be filled with the Spirit, And you hear people say things like, well, those people over there, they're not really filled with the Spirit. Now, let me just say this to you. I hope you realize today, I'm not going to do anything today to try and sort all that out. I'm not going to tell you who I think is right. I'm not going to tell you who I think is writer. And I'm not going to tell you who I think is rightist. I'm not going to tell you who I think is rightless, which is just a nice way of saying they are dead wrong. Today, all I want to do is just answer four basic questions for you, and I hope it gives you the insight you need just to keep going with this. First of all, I just want to talk to you today about who is the Holy Spirit, and what does the Bible say about that? Second, I want to talk to you about what does it mean to be, quote-unquote, filled with the Spirit? And then third, what does the Holy Spirit do in the life of a Christ follower? What should be happening after you've become a Christian? And then how do you receive the Holy Spirit? All right, so you guys ready? Let's get started with who he is. There are two aspects to his person that I just want to say to you right from the get-go. So write both of these down right now. First of all, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. If you'd write that down, he is God. And then while you're writing that down, write down the second thing. The Bible also says that he is spirit. Now, I know that this seems pretty obvious, but let me just take a minute here. Because this is important, again, that he is God. Why? Because a lot of times when people think about the Holy Spirit, they talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of abstractions. You might hear people say things like, oh, I just want more of the Spirit. And they talk about the Holy Spirit in terms of like gallons, like glug, 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 water. You know, I have like a gallon of the Spirit, but I really wish I had more of the Spirit. And I just need to be filled more and more. And people think of the Holy Spirit like he were an energy, And they pray for more of the Spirit, and they want to get energized, you know? And they almost think in terms of God zapping them with power. And when they think of the Spirit, they think a sign of that Spirit is what's happening externally. Maybe they have good feelings, or they're moved emotionally, or they have some sort of ecstatic experiences. By the way, I'm not against... God moving you with emotion. He created you with emotion. I think we'd be good to give more emotion to God. Personally, I'm an emotional person. 
There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not really the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Neither is an ecstatic experience, even though I appreciate experiences with God. Now listen, if I could just put it to you this way, when you think of the Holy Spirit like that, without even knowing it, what you're doing is you are demoting the Holy Spirit to think of him like that. In fact, it's probably worth saying that the easiest way to really not get the Spirit's power is to think of the Spirit as just an emanation from God, or you think of him like he's a, he's a ray from God's finger, a pulse of his energy. No, 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 listen to me. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen. He is God. When Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, you can't tell the Holy Spirit where to go. You can't conjure him. He moves where he wants to. He's like the wind. Why? He's God. He does what he wants to do. In fact, you just notice verses 9 and 10 when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Take a look right here. He says, you are controlled by the Spirit if... You have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, now stop right there for just a minute. You notice a couple things. He's talking about first being controlled by the Spirit, and then he turns around and he calls the Spirit the Spirit of God. Is that right? And then he calls the Spirit of God the Spirit of who? Christ. And then let's just keep going for just a minute. If you just go to that next scripture, then he calls the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God or the spirit, he calls him who? Christ. In other words, these terms are interchangeable. They're all referring to the same person. The reason they're interchangeable is really because of what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. And by the way, I don't have time to go in all of that, the Trinity today, but Pastor Steve, our founding pastor, put together an exceptional handout that I asked to be included in your notes, so you'll see those there. I encourage you just to, just to check it out. It's a little fact sheet on the doctrine of the Trinity. It's really good. But the scripture says that he is God, that he is spirit, and it also says that he is a person or a personality. So, now this is important that he's a person. Why? Because it connects to the next question. The second question that I said we're going to cover, and that is, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, I want you to think about this for just a minute. If the Spirit is a person, then when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we're talking about being filled with a who? A person. When you think about being filled with more of the Spirit or less of the Spirit, you have to think in terms of what does it mean to be more filled with a person or less filled with a person. And in that way, here's how I would define it. Now, this this might be a little minimalistic. I might not be capturing everything here, but I think this is one of the best ways to think, think of it. Write this down. To be filled with a person means to be deeply affected by that person. It means to have that person's desires influence you. In fact, probably the best way or best example to help us all understand is there was this great story that I read about an artist. And this artist was so in love, so captured. He was so filled with love for his fiancée that the poor guy couldn't paint a painting without managing to get her in it. For two years, he painted paintings He could never draw a picture without sticking her in. He drew apple trees, and there she was, sitting under an apple tree. He drew a seascape, 
And there she was on the rocks over the sea. Why? Because he was filled with her. He was constantly seeing her. He was constantly aware of her, the reality of her. When you're filled with a person, that's what begins to happen. Let me give you another example. Maybe this one will bring it home for you about being filled with a person. My dad, he now lives at the California Veterans Home. He has dementia, and they are great, by the way. They take great care of him. But for a series of months, my dad came to live with me and my family. And he came into our house. And because of his presence in our house, there were so many things that had to be different immediately. For example, my youngest son had to move out of his room. He didn't like that. (laughs) We had to change things around. I mean, because my dad was in the house, the noise level had to change. And if it didn't change, he would tell us. The food preparation had to change. My morning schedule had to change. My afternoon schedule had to change. Do you know why? Because when my dad came into the house, he filled the house. And because he filled the house, he influenced the house. What does it mean, listen to me, think about this, what does it mean to be filled with a person, not an energy, not a force, but a person? It means that that person's desires have influence over you. It means that that person's loves influence you. That person's hates influence you. Listen, if you're a Christian, he fills the house Therefore, he influences the house. Are you with me? This is why it says, and you notice Romans 8 makes it really clear. If you just go to the scripture, you'll see it here. It says, let's read it together. Come on. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Meaning, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have a desire for what God wants. So it leads to the next question, what does God want? What does the Holy Spirit do? So let's keep going. Shall we do that? When he fills you, what should you expect to happen? Write this down. Here's the first thing he begins to do. I'll try and go through these quickly. Number one, he begins to flood your life with truth. First of all, he floods your life with the truth about who he is. And he floods your life with the truth about who you are. In fact, who you are and who he is are the two basic elements of the gospel. Who are you? You're a sinner in desperate need of God. Now, being a sinner, that's an old-fashioned way of saying it, but what do I mean by that? I mean that you're broken, but here's the thing. You're more broken than you think you are. Most people don't know how broken they are. They spend their whole life trying to put on the appearance that they're not broken. They come to believe it themselves. Part of the gospel is the Holy Spirit coming to help you recognize that you're more messed up than you ever dared think. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But the other thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps you to see that you're more loved by God than you can possibly imagine. And because he loves you, he was willing to die for you. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he begins to make God evident to you. And you need the Holy Spirit, by the way, to make God evident to you. You can't do that on your own. You can't do that just intellectually on your own. God has to make revelation. I'll never forget, I was talking to my friend William. I didn't mention this last service, but my friend William was an atheist, and we began to talk over a series of months and months and reading books together and sort of going back and forth and sharing. I'll never forget, he said to me one day, this is before he came to know Jesus Christ, he said, I'm just convinced that I, I could never believe in God unless he reveals himself to me. And I said, William, you are exactly right. 
The Holy Spirit has to do that. And so I'm praying that he does, and I think he will. And guess what? He did. Isn't that awesome? See, because Romans 8, let's go back to Romans 8, verse 7, look at what it says. It says, the sinful mind is what? Hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is convincing people who don't believe. By the way, this is why I said last week when we were celebrating you, the church, the church is the people, I said, if you've chosen God, it's because he chose you first. Because he's revealed something to you. Because unless the Holy Spirit's already working on your heart, guys, listen to me, listen. Unless the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, knowing God, the idea of knowing God, it will seem to you terribly arrogant or impossibly frightening. But God makes himself known and he illuminates the reality of the gospel and helps you to understand where you really are. In fact, notice what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Jesus said in John, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? He floods your life with truth. Let's read it. Let's keep reading together. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. Now get this. Let's read this part. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now that leads to the second point about what the Holy Spirit does in your life that I want you to write down because this is a big one. Write this down. The Holy Spirit begins to mediate the presence of Jesus in your life. Meaning, it's not just now that you know about Jesus. Religious people can say that. Lots of Christians that say they're Christians are there. They know about Jesus, but no, no, no. The difference is when you're a Christian and you're filled with the Spirit, you begin to actually sense his presence in your life. You sense a love for Jesus like never before. You sense a desire for Jesus never before. You find that in your past, talking about Christ or reading about Jesus Christ, that wasn't important to you. But now, it's your very life. The Holy Spirit does that. Now, a couple things I want to point out here in this scripture, if you just go to it again for me, because this is pretty powerful here. By the way, I come from, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is an important topic for me because I come from a background, I come from a charismatic, particularly I grew up in Pentecostal churches where the Holy Spirit in many ways was overemphasized, if I could just say it that way. Now you say, well, why do you say that? Now by the way, this, this, I, I, I love my background. I have no problem with that. I am not a Pentecostal. I'm a senior pastor of Southern Baptist Church and I'm proud to be one. But what I would say to you is this. In my background, one of the difficulties was that people used to emphasize, well, gosh, the Holy Spirit doesn't give enough, get enough credit. I mean, all we do is talk about Jesus. You know, and in fact, there was a book written by Francis Chan that I really don't like the, ch- the title. I do like Francis Chan, but I hate the title. He talked about the forgotten God is what it was called. And I thought to myself, he's not forgotten? That's not a very good title for a book, in my opinion. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. Look, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears from who? From Jesus. He will bring glory to who? To me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. In other words, Jesus is saying the job of the Holy Spirit is to glorify me. People get offended. The Holy Spirit's not getting enough credit. He shouldn't get the credit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus. 
In fact, there's a terrific quote from J.I. Packer where he gives the essence of what the Holy Spirit does in your life. J.I. Packer was a great theologian preacher, and he says, one day I remember walking into a church. It was one winter evening, he describes it, and he was preaching on the words, he shall glorify me. And he says, seeing a building flood lit as I turned the corner and realizing this flood lighting, this is exactly the illustration I need. J.I. Packer said this. He says, when the flood lighting is well done, the floodlights will be so placed that you don't see the floodlights. In fact, you're not supposed to see where the light is actually coming from. What you're meant to see is just the building on which the lights are trained. And he says, that's a great description of the Holy Spirit. He magnifies and reflects the person of Jesus. Jesus says, the job of the Spirit is to take from what is mine and make it known to you. That's his job, and that's what he does. Number three, write this down. You'll find that the Holy Spirit begins to set your heart on God's word. In other words, the Spirit of God begins to make God's word known to you. In fact, could I just say it this way, guys? As you begin to invite the Lord into your life and you begin to get in God's word, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit begins to preach to you. And it's cool. Because the Holy Spirit is a much better preacher than any of us are. And he begins to pinpoint into your life things that you need to hear and know. And the Holy Spirit begins to get your mind set on God's law particularly his moral law, so that you will be the person he's called you to be. See, listen to me. Guys, if I could just say it this way, it's one thing to say, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, but it's another thing to taste it, to feel it deeply. It's one thing to say, I know that God is real, but it's another thing to feel his love pumping in your heart. And that's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit's after. And then number four, write this down. As he begins to work in your life, he gradually begins to turn you into the likeness of Jesus. Now, I want to say to you, this doesn't happen overnight. It does happen as you yield to the Spirit, but it doesn't happen overnight. You may have noticed, just like is true in my life, that there are nagging habits and sinful behaviors that may take time to overcome. But what you notice happening is, is that the Holy Spirit, he doesn't let them go. He works on you and he works with you. And you begin to work out what God's working in. And this is a process of sanctification. Go back to Romans 8. Look at verse 13 of chapter 8. Look what it says. But if through the power of the Spirit you do what? You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. Now, that really is the process of sanctification where you're enabled by the Holy Spirit. Come on. And you begin to repent of your sins and you find your identity in Christ And you come to realize that because you're in Christ, you're not condemned. God doesn't judge you based on what you've done. You're in who? In who? Come on. Christ. You're clothed in Christ. But as you're clothed in him and justified by him, he begins to pinpoint idols in your life. And he teaches you to start getting rid of those. And you start dying to sin. And you start living to being right with God. And the Holy Spirit moves you deeper and deeper into Jesus Christ. Now, guys, listen to me. There is something I want to say to you about this. I get so excited because you got to remember this. 
The Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is a holy spirit, which means he has a very sensitive nose. And he sniffs out the garbage that we're doing. And he sniffs out the attitudes that are ungodly, that are preventing us from being the people he's called us to be. And he pinpoints those things and he says, you have got to deal with this. You've got to make a confession because I'm holy. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? Jesus goes on, John 16, look at what he says. In John 16, he says, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will what? What's it say? Convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, he can, of course, everybody is used to being convicted of something they feel guilty about. By the way, even religious people that don't really know Jesus Christ, they know about Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is not living with them. Even them feel, even they feel guilty. But you know what's interesting about the Holy Spirit? He doesn't just convict you about sin and guilt. He convicts you about righteousness. What does that mean? Meaning he's the one that begins to pinpoint your life. You thought you were all that. You thought you were so good. And he's the one that shows you, oh, nuh-uh. You got problems. And he begins to bring you close to God by helping you realize how much you need him. And the Holy Spirit begins to renew your heart. Now, I gotta just say to you guys, this is so important Are you noticing your life changing? You say, how do I know if I'm spirit-filled? Let me ask you, do you notice your life changing? See, there are a lot of people who say they're Christians and they talk about how the Spirit is renewing their hearts. They talk about the tears during the worship songs. They talk about these great Holy Spirit experiences of glory. But their lives aren't changing. Can I just ask you, are you less worried than you used to be? before you knew Jesus Christ? Are you less self-pitying than you used to be? Do you have more integrity than you used to have? Have you found that you're more generous with your money than you used to be? Why? Because one of the first things the Holy Spirit does is he regenerates you. What does regeneration mean? It means that he is the agent of being born again. Am I more loving Am I more approachable than I used to be? Am I changing? Now, a couple more things that he does. I want to go through these quickly. A couple more things. Here's the fifth thing. Here's what he does. He enables you with power. Write that down. He enables you with power for the work of ministry so that you can make a difference in the lives of people. And if, and if I just say it this way, it's not that the Spirit of God sometimes that he gives us a new ministry Not necessarily a new ministry, but he does give you an intensified ministry. Why? Because he wants you to boldly and even supernaturally communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, I'll never forget when this happened to me for the first time. I was in high school. I was 17 years old. By the way, I went to Hoover High School. Any patriots here? All right. That's the best school in town. Good job. All of you guys, you go to terrible schools compared to Hoover. No, I'm just kidding. Um, In fact, uh, I went to Hoover High School my junior year. I was 17 years old. I came to know Jesus, and it changed my life. And I know I'm going to say things about my past, and you're like, no way. You're making this up. I am not making this up. I was a punk kid that used to get in fights all the time. I was suspended all through high school from getting in fights. I was almost expelled. I literally would go away from school with blood all over my shirt because I was just 
it, uh, there were multiple times like that. I was smoking dope. I was drinking. I was partying. I was an angry kid. And at 17 years old, in fact, I'm a high school dropout. I know I've said that before, but for those of you that don't know, know that, I was no better than a D student my entire education until I got into college after my GED, after Jesus changed my life. But I'll, I'll never forget, when I came to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit entered me, everything began to change. People would come up to me and they'd be like, man, what's the matter with you? You're getting religious? And all I knew to say was, no, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting religious, but all I can say is I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's changing everything. By the way, somebody says, how do I share my faith? That's how you say it. Jesus Christ is changing my life. It's hard to explain, but it's real. So my friends would ask me, so you're not gonna go out and you're not gonna smoke weed with us anymore and you're not gonna go drink with us and you're not gonna party? And I'd go, all I can say to you, man, is I don't feel like I need to do that. I don't wanna do that. Everything's changing in my life. One guy, I'll never forget, he said, well, don't push that religion. His name is Danny. Don't push that religion off on me, he said. We were in the locker room and I said, hey, man, no problem, you know, and I didn't. About a month later, his name is Danny, about a month later, just because of the change he began to see, he invited me. Hey, can I go to church with you? Sure. Let's go. People's Church, G.L. Johnson was preaching. It was a Sunday night. Danny turns to me. Uh, G.L. Johnson uh, gave an altar call where people actually came forward to receive Jesus. And he said, he said uh, do you want to go forward? Danny leans over and he says, hey, I'd like to go forward. Yeah, well, let's go. Danny was one of the first guys that came to know Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was doing something where I wanted to speak the word of God boldly. I wanted my life to make a difference. I'll never forget one day I'm in gym class. This is before I dropped out, but I was regenerated and Jesus was doing this stuff in my life. But, but uh, I was in gym class one day and I was running suicides and we're running across the gym floor and you gotta touch it. And you're going, I've told this story before, but it was years ago and you gotta touch the gym floor and you keep going back and forth. And I'm running this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered into my heart as we were running these suicides, sing the song, Jesus Loves Me. Do you know that song? <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Come on, with the gusto. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Let me hear it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yeah, the Bible tells you so. So anyway, we're running these suicides. I'm on the gym floor, and we're running, and I feel like the Holy Spirit, I feel like Jesus spoke into my heart and said, I want you to sing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And I'm running these suicides, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> and I felt like the Lord, no, I want you to sing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And I, okay, so I'm running, and I, and, I, and I start going, Jesus loves me, this I know. I'm singing real softly. For the Bible tells me so. And, and uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted my heart, sing it louder. <laughs> and it was like, no. And that's when I knew, I said, this has got to be the work of Satan in my mind right now. <laughs> Satan is telling me to do this. And I said that. And, and, but, but I just felt this strong urge, this compulsion endued with an intensity or desire. So 
Literally, I start going, Jesus loves me. And guys are running next to me and they're running right beside me going. But I'm singing this, I know, boom, for the Bible. Anyway, I get done with the whole thing. I'm humiliated. Everybody, nobody's talking to me. Everybody leaves. I feel like an idiot. But one guy, his name's Josh, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, what's that song you were singing? I go, Jesus loves me, this I know, stupid, (laughs) you know. And he goes, why'd you sing that? And I go, I tell you about it. And so I sat down with him and led him to Jesus in gym class. And, And I'm just telling you, there was this sense in which The Holy Spirit, by the way, you see this in lots of places in the New Testament where people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit already, who are even sanctified, they're walking in obedience, they make a special prayer, and the Spirit of God falls on them, and they speak the Word of God with boldness. And guys, you see this in Acts, it happens again and again and again. By the way, this is why I can't stop and I've taken the time, extra time this morning to to tell you that story and encourage you. This is why we encourage you to go to early morning prayer. Why? Because I want you to get in the habit of daily spending time with God. And and guys, the only way I know to teach people how to daily spend time with God is to invite them to join me for my morning devotions. And so we put together a thing called early morning prayer and we have people meet in the lounge. But if you just follow these QR codes, you can actually zoom in with us. And here's all it is. I, all we do is we get together and we have quiet time together. You know what it's like? It's like going to a retreat. Have you ever been to a retreat where everybody does their quiet time and you see them reading their Bible together but they're in community? We're doing retreat all the time here at North Point. We're just having, because we're trying to teach people how to spend time with God. And I just love having a place where somebody comes to Jesus and I can say, hey, join me on Tuesday mornings. Let's spend time with Jesus together, whether it's over Zoom or in person. Why? Listen to me, guys, listen. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, he has things to say to you. Do you know that? And then number six, if you'd write this down. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you confidence of your right standing with God. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that begins to show your heart that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. He assures you that you have right standing with God because of what Jesus did. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit gives you a sense of God's love in your heart. What does it say? Verse 16. It says, take a look at this. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are who? Now, do you know what I find incredible? If you go to Romans chapter eight, guys, you gotta see this. I'm sorry, I'm taking more time, but you gotta stay here, I'm in charge. Here we go, ready? Romans chapter eight, take a look. The whole chapter, by the way, of Romans eight is about the spirit of God. You just read it. In the first few verses, the Holy Spirit's mentioned 17 times over and over again. Then you get to the very end of the chapter, go to verse 38, and it says, now again, this is not in your notes, but look on the screen. It's all about the Holy Spirit till they get to the very end. And the whole, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's not mentioned. But look what he says. Let's read this together. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, why does Romans 8, which is all about the Holy Spirit, end with that? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He affirms that in your life. One of my favorite preachers, an English guy by the name of David Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, you want to know what it's like? He said, picture a man walking along a road with a little boy, and they're holding hands, and the little boy knows that this man is his father, and he knows that his father loves him. But suddenly the father stops, and he picks up the boy, and he lifts his little boy into his arms, and he embraces him, and he kisses him, and then he puts him down, and they continue walking together. Now... The boy is no more a son than he was before dad picked him up. (laughs) But the boy sure feels it now, doesn't he? See, the father's action, it hasn't changed the relationship. It hasn't changed the status of the boy, but it has given the boy extra assurance that dad loves him. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, to give you extra assurance. So, how do you get him? How do you get them? Would you write these things down? We'll be done. Number one, you need to want God. You need to want God. Now, not what God, I'm not saying you need to want what God can do for you. Anybody wants that. A lot of Christians say they want God, but what they really want is what God can do for them. No. You've got to want God for himself. He must be the joy of your life, not what he can do for you. Number two, second thing you gotta do is you gotta be willing to lay down your own ego. Some of you, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit because you're so full of yourself. You're so full of your own pride. You take pleasure that you're gonna lead your life. Yeah, you give lip service to God, but he has no control. He gives you no direction. You're not following his lead. You're following your lead and you're asking him to follow along and bless what you want and do what you want. And God says it doesn't work that way. You've got to lay down. You've got to empty yourself before you can be filled. You've got to be willing to say, I'm not all that I should be. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And then, as his Holy Spirit enables you to do it, you need to invite him in. You need to invite him in. Do you want that? Do you want God to take such control of your life that you sense his presence? I want that for you so much. I want that for me. Shall we ask God to do that for us? Stand to your feet. Let's have ministry together for just a minute. Would you all stand up? Just stand up and get loose here for a second because we're going to have a worship moment. Expend some energy to the Lord. And here's what I'd like for you to do. It's an act of humility because you might feel silly doing it. But we need to lay down our ego. You ready? Just do this. Just, just hold your hands out to God just like this as a way to say, Father, I want to receive you because this is a receiving posture. And let's invite him in together, shall we? Jesus, I pray for my friends, my family, my brothers and sisters. I pray over them in Jesus' name asking that you would Fill them and make yourself known to them. Maybe for the first time, or maybe it's a renewal. Maybe it's that they've grown dry 
and they've walked far from you. Father, help them to know that you've not left them. Bless them. Now pray this prayer with me and just say it from your heart to Jesus. Jesus, fill me. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Empower me to be changed and live a new kind of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.